MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Nightcap with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSIN, the sports betting network. On a Wednesday evening, meaning we are just that much closer. We've got over the hump. Tump day here, Sean. We are ready for the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 56. we are. Out in Los Angeles, California, the city of angels, Bengals, and Rams. You know that by now. 48 and a half remains the total. Some, Some spots it's dipped down to four. Some spots it remains four and a half. We'll get into some... Running back props uh, a little bit later on in the show. we got a loaded show, as we always do, Sean. No surprise there. Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders will join us. He will uh, give us his thoughts on some prop plays. Jared Smith, our guy, we're moving him up a couple days because he's going out to L.A. Nice. I don't blame him. He's going to be a busy man. So we said let's uh, let's have our guy Jared Smith on earlier this week. If you guys have never seen Jared or our Friday show, you're missing out. But Jared will join us at uh, 8 o'clock Pacific, 11 o'clock Eastern. Vinny Maiulo from behind the counter. Action from the South Point. And then, fingers crossed, we'll get our guy Brad Evans. Brad's out there wheeling and dealing, kissing babies in Los Angeles at uh, Radio Row. I also don't know. He's a man who embraces his tequila drinking skills. Yeah. I have... uh, I taught him well. I have spent a handful of nights a couple years ago in Miami with Brad at a Super Bowl event. Nate Lundy as well, frequent guest of the program. Ryan Harris, another frequent guest of the program. I might just say, let's roll the dice and see what happens with Brad at 930. Well, here's what I know. And I've spent a good, I think me and Brad had a show that went for two years. Um, Fantasy football shows were like standalone platforms back before it was like common as it is now. And I taught him well, I must say. I taught him hydration is key. He is uh, he's a hydrator, so we'll see. But he's looking like he's been having a good time. We will see if our good friend Brad Evans stops. My God, a big on noise! Bye. We always spend this first segment to kind of set things up, talk about our bets, and you know, before we, before I let you peacock about a particular bet, we're going to get to that in just a moment. It was yeah, a great I'm, call by him, but and I'm before, sweating some other stuff. But before we do that, mm-hmm. you do have a game. That has not yet started that you would like to let the people know you're on. 
Oh, yeah, the Seattle Kraken on the puck line tonight. Great spot for the Kraken. I know this is their first year <clears throat> having a team, but they're catching the Coyotes who played yesterday on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, and the Kraken are at home. And just so you know, I had the Blackhawks to beat the Edmonton Oilers tonight. So far, so good. Blackhawks were up 2-1. to one. I think they were minus, uh, plus 186, I think was the number. And then I also had the Calgary Flames to beat Vegas. They're up 2-0. So, Puckstradamus is doing well. Um, if you want to follow along, again, I have the Kraken on the puck line. I think that should get you about plus 115. So, if you want to join in and come along with Puckstradamus, that's actually his play of the day, then let's get to the window. <laughs> I like how we're talking. That is his play <laughs> it of is. the day. I tweeted it out. No, no I know oh. it. I know it's your play of the day, but yeah. you could have said it's my play. You, you decided to his Puckstradamus is alter ego. Yeah, yeah, he's a separate entity. <laughs> but I'm actually filing a separate LLC for him. Are you? Yeah. Nice. Tell me how that works out. Um, well, I need to let you. Now we didn't talk about it last night, but I know that you played it. I mentioned it. We texted uh, back and forth. Six rank Houston was on the road. They were laying seven against SMU. They led by eleven at the break. Houston. It's had a hell of a year, um, dealt with some injuries, but they have powered through on the road at SMU, very bubblicious team in SMU. And uh, we were tweeting or texting back and forth. And you said, I'm, I'm rolling SMU and I've got, I've got evidence of it. He said, not the points I'm rolling money line and only you, Sean, only you <laughs> see if I had done this, <coughs> there's no chance SMU wins this game, but you roll with it. They overcome an 11 point second half deficit. SMU knocks off Houston 85-83. It was a hell of a game. And uh, you got the ponies on the money line. I think, what, plus 265? Plus 265 is well what done. it came down in. Yes, and uh, here's what we know. Um, sometimes you, you, you process the information correctly and you get unlucky in the game. Sometimes you process the information drastically wrong and get lucky and, and hit the ticket. I think what we've learned since we started the nightcap is trying to be consistent, trying to come to your final decisions, you know, with the right process. And when I looked at this game, I had two very good teams. Houston was going for, I think, their 13th victory in a row. But if you peel back the layers a little bit, SMU is really good at home. 11-0 on the season. I think Houston's going to be – somewhere between a one and two seed, the way this is playing out. So they're solidified as being in the NCAA tournament, whereas SMU, they needed this quad one victory. And the fact that they're 11-0 at home, I just thought it was a great chance that that energy, that confidence would be able to pull them through because when they're at their best, they're a very good basketball team. And, you know, fortunately, they didn't give up at halftime. They came back, they scratched, they clawed, they made some plays, and we got away with a plus 265 win on hump day, and that's pretty good. Yeah, it was a great spot for SMU. Uh, tremendous call by you. I should have tailed. Uh, they're coming <clears> off a loss, lose over the weekend at Wichita State by 15. A desperation spot. Spots that, you know, usually I, I like to grab home teams. You were all over it. Well done. And a hell of a win for, uh, for SMU. And uh, we'll see where this helps them out uh, on the bubble uh, moving forward, can ill afford some some losses down the stretch. They do play Houston again later on in February. But you you know, last night we saw a number one team in the country in Auburn go down. Uh, that was a side that we liked in uh, in Arkansas. And uh, great job uh, calling SMU here, and they win it outright 
85-83, plus 265 on the money line. Game I talked about last night that I liked, and uh, full disclosure, only game I bet tonight. Mm -hmm. There may be a game that I bet early morning tomorrow, which we'll talk about much later in the show. Uh, Oklahoma taking on Texas Tech, a, a similar situation. This is a bubble team in Oklahoma. Uh, you know, I think Joe Lenardi has them one of the last four out or next four out. They're they're they got work to do. Taking on Texas Tech, I talked about it last night. I loved West Virginia over the weekend. Taz Sherman ultimately didn't play. That was a, a huge different differentiator. And uh, Texas Tech getting some fortunate whistles. Uh, there was a horrendous, flagrant foul called right before the end of the half. Uh, right now, Texas Tech leading 30-25 to 25 at the break. So we got work to do like you had work to do, Sean, in the second half in SMU. And uh, hopefully Texas Tech, or excuse me, Oklahoma uh, can turn this thing around. Can I mention one more game? Yeah. Because we talked about this game. I ultimately didn't play it. But it's why I think if you really take your time and scour, especially the NCAA schedule, you can find things. George Mason had lost three games in a row, one of which was to Richmond. Richmond was at George Mason tonight. And George Mason was favored by two. And I think the, the line is telling you that George, Ma- uh, George Mason is the likely winner of this game. They end up going to overtime, and they covered. They won by three. But I think it's just recognizing sometimes, you know, when the line is telling you, okay, I need to look a little deeper because the side that I see on the surface is not the right side for this game. All right. One other game, and I – I tell I, I tell it how it is. I, I tell you bets that I made and I don't make, whether they hit or miss. Another team that I've loved at home, Sean, and I didn't play them tonight because of what happened over the weekend. Rutgers over the weekend, <laughs> a spot that I played. I loved them against Michigan State. They won by 22. They turn around. They're back at home tonight. They're taking on Ohio State. And Rutgers, credit to Steve Peichel and his team. They can't win on the road, but they win at home Underdog at home, Rutgers does it again. Rutgers at the rack. I don't care what it's called, Jersey Mike Center. No, it'll always be the rack. Rutgers gets it done, and uh, shame on me for not sticking with what had worked so far. Rutgers, nice comeback win, 66-64 to over another top 25 team. Going on the road in the Big Ten is a daunting task this year. 16th-ranked Ohio State goes down. At Rutgers, once again, Rutgers can't win anywhere away from home, but they can beat anyone at home, and they did it again here. I asked Aaron earlier, is this not the greatest home court advantage in college basketball this year? (laughs) It's crazy. I mean, they have beaten some quality teams in what used to be called the rack. It will always be the rack, Sean. It will always be the rack. And these are the teams they have beaten at home this year. Ohio State. Michigan State, uh, Michigan, who's, you know, not as great, uh, and they beat Purdue. That's, I mean, Purdue is a one seed right now, and they beat Purdue at home. They've gone on the road, and they've lost to Penn State by 17, lost to Minnesota. Uh, Somehow they, they found a way to beat Nebraska. They lost to Northwestern. I mean, they are a Jekyll and Hyde team. By the way, the mighty Terps of Maryland went into the rack and won this year. So, you know. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back <laughs> on you just slightly here. Because what did I do? I think this is something that you – They lost that to Paul. You have to make this adjustment because I've seen this become a recurring thing with you. You have these very strong 100% right opinions at the start of seasons, and you talk yourself out of them 
as the season goes on, even though they're continually right. What happened last night Western, with Mar- what well, happened last night with Marquette though? But at the end of the day, if Shaka as an underdog ends up going seven and one at the end of the year, who cares if but, he lost the one? But if we had won the seven and then we jumped off at the right time. Right, but I know that's like trying to time the stock market. I, don't I know, know if that's it, possible. Western Kentucky, who you loved all year, you got off of. Rutgers, who you've loved all year at home. They, I'm just my saying, only thing was they were go com- with your strong opinion they because were, they're very good. They were coming off of a huge win. Don't second guess 20, yourself. Twenty-two. So don't second guess. Well, I did yourself. second guess myself because you know you're smart. Be your smart. favorite team, Wake Forest, was able to win and cover against NC State. I stayed <laughs> off of that team. All right, let's get to some Super Bowl running back props next, right here on the Nightcap. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back in this segment of the Nightcap being brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. For your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, 
America's number one nicotine pouch is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zin. To head on over to Zin.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's ZYN.com slash find. Warning, this product does contain nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right. Real quickly before we get into the running back props. Maybe get a stop, Oklahoma. That'd be nice. Last night, we discussed the favorites and how they've been just dominating the field in NBA. Last four nights heading into today, 28-1 straight up, 26-2-1 ATS, Sean. Mm -hmm. So far tonight, favorites 3-0 and 3-0 against the spread. Cleveland won and covered. Chicago won and covered. Toronto won and covered. Underway now, Minnesota, the Lakers, and the Jazz are all underway. Those are your three favorites in the late games. Golden State started off gangbusters, nine to nothing. So there you go. Just something to keep a close eye on. Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders. Talk some prop bets with him coming up at the bottom of the hour. Speaking of prop bets, I know we had to uh, give our favorite prop play for the uh, VEASAN Super Bowl coverage, which, of course, 56 hours for free. Uh, anyone who is listening to us, you can watch us for free all weekend long. Sean and I will be out at Stadium Swim for the Super Bowl, pregame, halftime, postgame show. If you want analysis from a Super Bowl champ like Sean King. But when you look at the two main running backs in this game, Cam Akers for for L.A., Joe Mixon for Cincinnati. I know a very popular play, Sean, has been under Cam Akers. I really like under for Joe Mixon. And once again, this is something that is said all the time, but it's true. Shop around, please. Please shop around. Because here at Circa, it's 64. I've seen it as low as 60 and a half for Joe Mixon. So if you like the over, go find the 60 and a half. If you like the under like I do, go find the 64. Here's why I like Joe Mixon under rushing yards, Sean. Okay. Sit at 64 here at Circa. He had back-to-back 120-yard games at the end of November. Mm -hmm. Since then, Joe Mixon in eight games has gone over the total of 64 Twice. Once was last week against the Kansas City Chiefs, or two weeks ago. He had 88 yards against Kansas City. But other than that, he has not eclipsed that in this postseason. I really like another prop for him, which is catching the ball out of the backfield. I look at the Rams' run defense, number five in the league, 95.8 yards per game. What they did against the 49ers was very impressive. Eli Mitchell had 11 carries for 20 yards. Debo Samuel, seven carries for 26, 20 for 50. Uh, total there for the 49ers. They held Leonard Fournette to 51 yards rushing. They held Edmonds, who's bit banged up. James Conner, 28 and 19, respectively, for a total in that game against Arizona of 61. So this has no lean one way or another. I think the Bengals very well could win the game. I just don't see Joe Mixon really going off running. So one of my favorite prop plays, and this is the one I gave uh, you know, for vcin.com, is, is under... 64 rushing yards for Joe Mixon. 
And I know you like the this Bengals. Is an this is very interesting for me because <clears throat> how, how do I say this? The Rams' rush defense ranking, in my opinion, is a product of the schedule more so than their dominance. But what a, what, I think their weakness is their front seven defending the run. But, again, I don't think that Cincinnati has a dominant offensive line. They have a terrible offensive so, line. I would slightly lean towards going under with Joe Mixon, but he is coming off a game against the Kansas City Chiefs where he had 21 carries for 88 yards, whereas Cam Akers has not surpassed his prop total for rushing yards in any of the three games in the playoffs. He's run for 48 yards, 48 yards, and 55 yards. And against the Bucks, who I know are excellent, mm -hmm. versus the run, those 48 yards is on 24 carries. So if I was, you made me choose between the two, I'd go Akers under his rushing total because he has not surpassed it at any point in the playoffs. And I wouldn't talk you out of going Joe Mixon under, but I wouldn't try and convince you that he's going over either. I think that could go either way. Joe Mixon at 88 against Kansas City was utilized a lot in overtime to set up the game-winning field goal. 54, 48, 46, 65, 58, 58, 54. Those are his last eight games, so hovering around the number. But to your point about the Rams' run defense, I mean, the interior offensive line for the Bengals is just really bad. It's really bad, and there's a gentleman by the name of Aaron Donald mm -hmm. on the other side. And when I, what I was impressed, look, the Rams got run on quite a bit in Week 18 against the 49ers. What was their response? They held the 49ers to 50 yards rushing. In a game in which the 49ers had – a lead for the most of the time when they wanted to run the ball. So I, I do like that. However, here's what I'll say what I like about Joe Mixon. I like Joe Mixon to go over his receiving props. Once again, shop around. You might be able to find some uh, numbers. I found, uh, I found at South Point here in Las Vegas a over three and a half receptions, minus 110 both ways for Joe Mixon. Let's think back to the Tennessee game. What happened in the Tennessee game, Sean? Joe Burrow's under duress constantly. Mm -hmm. What happens for Joe Mixon? Joe Mixon had seven targets, six receptions, 51 yards. Three and a half is his over-under for receptions. Last five games for Joe Mixon, three catches against Kansas City, under. Six against Tennessee, four against Vegas, seven in the Week 17 game against Kansas City, six against Baltimore. Receiving yards, 25 and a half is where the market is set at. 27, 51, 28, 40, 70. Joe Mixon has really become an important piece to the passing game for Joe Burrow. And if this Rams defensive line wreaks the havoc that I think many people believe that they might and will put on Joe Burrow, I think Joe Mixon is a, is a safety blanket there for Joe Burrow on Sunday. I wouldn't talk you out of that. I would say this, and if you're listening, if you're watching – I would advise you to do this as well. Only use what's happened in the playoffs. Don't use the regular season. Because when teams get in the playoffs, they really hone in and focus on a specific thing. For instance, with the Bengals, Joe Mixon has 52 carries. The next running back has two. Right. Samaj P. Ryan's not right. getting carries. Joe Mixon has 13 catches. The next running back has four. And P. Ryan, I think, got three of those in the Kansas City game. So if you just look at it based on the playoffs, his usage rate 
is extremely high. So that's kind of why I'm just hesitant to go under on the rush yards, but I agree that, okay, he more than likely will go over his receiving yards prop as well because he's getting opportunities. So when you get those opportunities, now it comes to can the Rams tackle in space? Mm-hmm. If, if, if Mixon's going to have, you know, six targets at running back and he catches four or five, it's going to be three of those where, okay, if one guy makes a tackle, it's a four or five-yard game. But if he makes a miss, it turns into a 15-yard game. The same deal with his usage rate as a ball carrier. So I am pro Joe Mixon going into this game. I think Cam Akers is in much more of a timeshare based on what's happened in the playoffs than Joe Mixon is. So if you were going to look towards going over in either total, I would be on Joe Mixon's side. Cam Akers, I probably would go under. So, and I think that's a very uh, popular uh, opinion, especially with Cam Akers, to go under. And if we have Brad on or when we talk to Aaron Schatz, we'll get his his thoughts here. Real quickly, before we hit a break and bring in Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders, Joe Burrow over under rushing yards is 11 and a half against the chiefs. He had a couple really important scrambles. He had 25 yards rushing Sean, but against Tennessee, just five carries really couldn't get out of the pocket. Obviously was sacked nine times and then had no rushing yards actually had negative two against the Raiders. Do you anticipate Joe Burrow using his legs often on? This is an extremely tough one for me because Joe does such a, Great job of extending plays. And because of that pass rush, Leonard Floyd is going to be high. Von Miller is going to be high. There will be times where Joe will step up and evade the pocket. I just don't know if he's going to run or if he's going to find a completion. So I'm probably going to stay away from this one. If you force me to bet it, I'd say over because all it takes is one run. Much more on the prop bets that you should be looking at very closely. On the other side, Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders will join us. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. You know that VSIN is the best place to get all of your betting insights for the big game. And right now, you can sign up to get our free big game betting guide. This digital guide gives you trends, strategies, props to watch, and tips from our experts. Visit vcin.com slash Super Bowl to get our free guide and get you ready for the biggest football betting action of the year. Alongside Sean King, Super Bowl champ, I am Tim Murray, getting you ready for Super Bowl 56. And no better way to dive into the props than having on Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders, uh, also uh, takes a look at DVOA, ESPN. He's all over the place. F-O underscore A shots on Twitter. Aaron, appreciate you jumping on. I know it's certainly a busy week for you. And we were just talking about the running back props, uh, specifically Mixon and Cam Akers. I, I want to focus on uh, Joe Mixon real quickly um, because you can find as high as 64 yards uh, rushing. I like the under uh, based off of who he's facing and just – in my mind, what this game plan may look like. Uh, He's gone over that number just twice in his last eight games. He did do it against Kansas City, though. Uh, What do your numbers say about Joe Mixon and the likely success he could have come Sunday? I like the receiving over. Yes. That's what I like for Mixon, is that I think that the Rams give up 
a good amount of yardage to running backs, and they're going to be, you know, the pass rush is going to be pretty heavy against Burrow. He's going to need to get rid of the ball, and that means dumping off to the running back. The Rams are also very weak against running back screens. It's a small sample size, but they didn't do well against them this year. So if I'm going to do a mix-in prop, the mix-in prop I'm going to do is receiving over. You know, I knew I liked Aaron. Huh? I, I knew I liked Aaron. Seems he's a smart guy. <laughs> uh, I agree. I, I think that's a great spot. Uh, you look at you know where the market is set, Aaron. He's gone over uh, that number five straight games. Every game this postseason uh, set at twenty-five and a half, and receptions at three and a half. Uh, so I agree there. Uh, anything on Cam Akers before we kind of bounce around and look at uh, elsewhere? This was a number, if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, the Westgate Superbook opened it as high as 68 and a half. It's come down quite a bit. You're looking at 64 and a half, 63 and a half. Uh, Sean brought up his numbers so far this postseason since returning. I don't think he's eclipsed 50 yards. So uh, Cam Akers, is the market too high on him come Super Bowl Sunday? I mean, I understand the idea that he's taken over again as their number one back. And if they win the game, and I favor them to win the game, and obviously Vegas favors them to win the game, he's going to be running out the clock at the end. And so you've got that little bit of a higher number. I probably would just stay away from Cam Akers. You know, there's a possibility that they give more runs to Sony Michelle in this game because Akers has been struggling. And so I, I don't think I would want to go over on that, but I don't know if I feel that comfortable going under. I'd probably just stay away from it altogether. Yeah, and I think the differentiation for me, Aaron, was, that, and I mentioned this to Tim prior to you coming on, is that the usage rates are drastically different. Joe Mixon is basically the only one that gets carries in Cincinnati outside of Joe Burrow scrambling or running the football. And for the most part, he's the only one that gets targets. Now, P. Ryan kind of had a, a better game catching the ball against Kansas City than he had before, whereas when you look at Akers, they use Sony Michelle a lot, so I, I, I agree with you 100%. And I think usage rate is why I would lean Mixon if I was going to go over, you know, for either running back. Yeah, I, I guess if I'm going to go over, I would go Mixon absolutely because, like, you know, you don't know if Michelle or maybe Henderson, but probably Michelle is going to get some carries. Now, if you peel back the layers just slightly, I know from a ranking standpoint where the Rams are as a rush defense. But is that more a byproduct of scheduling and type of offenses that they faced? Because when they face teams that really commit to running the ball, I think they've been vulnerable. You know, What's your take on the Rams and how good they actually are versus a team that's committed to trying to run the football? Well, I mean, the ratings that we use at Football Outsiders, our DVOA ratings, account for the situations and they account for the opponents. I don't like using ratings based simply on total yardage because total yardage is so dependent on the game script. Are you ahead or behind late? That kind of thing. So if you look at our efficiency numbers, we have the Rams as a strong run defense this year. They were number five in efficiency in our numbers as a run defense. So once you filter out the effects of game script and opponents, there's no question they were strong against the run. Talk once again to Aaron Schatz. Check out the website, footballoutsiders.com. Follow Aaron on Twitter at F-O underscore A Schatz. Uh, before I kind of dive into more things that that intrigue me and I, and I imagine intrigue our listeners, our listeners just like making money. I mean, they, they could 
We could tell them about USA China uh, men's hockey tomorrow. And if we're giving them an edge, they'll be happy about that. So when you look at the prop market, Aaron, and, and based off of your numbers, is there a prop or two that really stand out to you? Yeah, the, the biggest one for me is the Tyler Boyd over yardage uh, because uh, the Rams are very weak against passes in the short middle area of the field. And the most popular receiver, you know, the receiver who gets the most targets in the short middle area of the field for the Bengals, you think, oh, that might be C.J. Uzuma, but it's not. It's Tyler Boyd, the slot receiver. And so I really like Tyler Boyd to go over 40.5 yards. We, we have him going over that in something like 82% of simulations. Like, we really think that he's going over that. You know, what's interesting, Aaron, is what do your simulations say about Jamar Chase? Because here's how I think, at least the way that I'm looking at it, that he's very, very unique for this Rams secondary. They played the Cardinals and got fortunate DeAndre Hopkins wasn't there. They played Tampa, and there was no Antonio Brown, no Chris Godwin. Mike Evans made some plays, but he's not a run-after-the-catch guy. And Brandon Ayuk, you know, is, is really not a, a yak guy either. And here comes this rookie, Jamar Chase, who, in my opinion, is elite when it comes to what he does after he actually catches the football. When you see 79-and-a-half, six-and-a-half catches, what do you project the performance to look like for Chase when it's all said and done? The tough part here is figuring out whether they're going to put Ramsey on him strictly because Ramsey was fantastic this year at preventing yards after the catch. So that's going to be a really good battle. I mean, I generally like the over for a lot of Bengals. I just, uh, the Rams, uh, the Ram, you know, we feel like the Rams are going to win the game more likely, but that means the Bengals are going to be trying to catch up late, which means more passing yardage. Like even though the Rams have a really good pass defense, they actually increase opponent passing yardage because they're usually winning late in the game and opponents have to pass to catch up. Plus, you know, all of Burrow's stats from this year are based on mostly playing outside. Now he's going to be, I mean, I guess you would call it indoors. I don't know what to call SoFi Stadium because the sides <laughs> are open, but there's a roof. Is that a dome? Is that not a dome? Whatever. It's easier to pass in there. Put it in as so, picnic-ish. <laughs> I, I, I like, I like Burrow going over. I like the Bengals receivers going over. Like I said, I mean, the, the one I trust the most of the Bengals receivers going over is Tyler Boyd, but I really wouldn't go under on any of the Bengals receivers unless you can get a prop on Azuma because I, I don't, I just can't imagine him coming back from a sprained MCL in two weeks. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what the market ultimately does with Uzama. I, he might be left off. Uh, we're talking once again to Aaron Schatz. So you've mentioned that, uh, your projections lean towards the Rams, but a lean towards the Rams winning doesn't necessarily mean it's a Rams cover. So what do your projections show right now? Most spots have Rams laying four and a half, Aaron, with a total of 48 and a half. We would very, very narrowly have the Bengals to cover. But again, very, very, very narrowly. I, I, I mean, I, I this line is pretty spot on. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at the, um, the money line, it's almost exactly what all the advanced analytics sites, like every advanced analytics sites have this as basically the Rams win two thirds of the time. And that's what the money line is. So Vegas is basically right on where all the advanced analytics are on this. 
And then what about the total at 48 and a half? Some spots opened as high as 51, Aaron. Now pretty universally, it's sitting at 48 and a half. Maybe we tick up a little bit as we get closer to the game because we know the public uh, loves to play overs. Yeah, I would narrowly say over. Uh, again, I think this is very close to what it should be. The um, the big thing on this is, look, there's a lot of talk about the Bengals' defense, but the Bengals' defense was very mediocre this year until the last couple games of the playoff. Like, they absolutely were good against the Titans, and they were good against the Chiefs in the second half, especially. They were very good against the Chiefs. But you learn more from 18 games than you do from two games, and overall, the Bengals' defense is pretty mediocre. I think the most likely outlook for this game is the Rams take an early lead and Joe Burrow spends the rest of the game chasing that and scores some points. Well, Aaron, so we got to let you, Aaron, we got a hard break. We got to let you go. I'm just going to leave you with this. Last time Jamar Chase was on this stage, nine catches, 221 yards, two touchdowns. Watch the Jamar Chase show on Sunday. Aaron, appreciate it. Great stuff. Thanks for having me on, Chad. There he is, Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. Drink smooth, draft smart, make it count. Join the action on football's biggest Sunday with the final football face off presented by Jack Daniels. 
play free fantasy football for your shot at a share of 20,000 bucks in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Jack Daniels. Now, to set your roster before game time. Jack Daniels, make it count. 21 and over. Terms and conditions. Other eligibility restrictions apply. Easy easy for me to say. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Thanks to Aaron Schatz for joining us from Football Outsiders. Uh, Good stuff there. Very confident in the Tyler Boyd over, which is set at 40 and a half. Interestingly enough, Tyler Boyd, when you look at just his numbers so far this postseason, 19, 17, 26, those are the receiving yards that he has had so far this postseason. However, I thought Aaron brought up a good point, which is that with Uzama hurt and with that sprained MCL, I know he ripped off the knee brace like he was a you know professional wrestler or something like that. That was uh, that was his favorite play of the receiving. Actually, of, it seemed like of, of all the props out there, he felt like the biggest edge was on Tyler Boyd receiving yards. So I get it, and I get the reasoning behind it. The problem with Tyler is there is no run after the catch. I mean, wherever Tyler catches the ball, he can tackle right there. I don't know what happened because he was at Pitt. I mean, he was like a down-the-field threat kind of guy. So, you know, you just, he's going to have to have volume to get over 40 and a half yards. He's more than likely going to have at least have to have at least five catches. You know, so if you think that Uzama's not going to play and he's going to be the guy that kind of works the middle of the field, then yeah. But I'm telling you, dog, listen to me. <laughs> Sunday is going to be the Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase show. Well, let's let's talk about that because you are on the Bengals. Yes. You've taken the points. You're going to go money line. So you like the Bengals. I want to break it down how Jamar Chase wins MVP. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. So let's go back to the Bengals-Chiefs game. Jamar mm-hmm. Chase in that game, actually, that's not a good example because he, he only had 54 yards. He did have a touchdown, but if you watch the Chiefs game, clearly Joe Burrow's getting the MVP. What if we go back to the Chiefs game in week 17, Sean, when okay. the Bengals, essentially, that was the game in which... I don't like to use regular season, but okay. No, no, no. I'm just using it as an no, I know example what you're because I, I, like to, I like to play... Well, let me answer it before you put it in context. The storyline is here. Because whether or not Jalen Ramsey guards him the whole game or not, that's going to be the story. And there will be times where Jalen Ramsey is going to be lined up with Jamar Chase. I don't think he personally can match up with him the entire game because of the way the Bengals move Jamar Chase around. They put him in the slot. They hand him jet sweeps. Like They do a lot of different things with him which makes it very difficult for a team to say, okay, we're going to dedicate one defender to this one specific player. But I've been around guys like Jamar Chase my entire life. He is going to put on a performance for a lifetime on Sunday. And don't forget in that national championship game, who was throwing in the ball, by the way. That was Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase, too, when LSU and Clemson met up. And I think he had nine for 221 and two touchdowns. If I'm not mistaken, Burrow, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think Burrow threw for five or six touches that game. So I just these two on this stage are going to play their best. And what makes Jamar different is he's one of the only 
complete wide receivers that we have in the National Football League. As productive as Odell Beckham Jr. has been, he no longer has any run after the catch. The majority of he's almost turned into a possession receiver, which is fine. I mean, those are needed. Jamar's probably going to jump over Jalen's head and catch a contested pass. He's going to catch a screen and, and turn it into a 30-yard game. Like, he does so many things. And he's going to be at his ultimate peak on Sunday. I think that's the part that people are overlooking. These two guys throughout their career have played their absolute best on the biggest stage, and I don't think that changes Sunday. I mean, Jalen Ramsey uh, didn't play for Clemson, so I'll just put that little caveat out there. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) I'm not saying that tomorrow. Look, the point I was trying to bring up was I want to talk it out the MVP situation, right? Because he's about 30 to 1. Actually, he's come down here at Circus like 2250. Uh, that's what Jamar Chase's numbers are. So he's, he's clearly gotten some money, some backing in the marketplace. Um, what does Jamar Chase have to do? Because, Sean, as I, as I brought up, we have had wide receivers win it in mm-hmm. recent years. The most recent was Julian Edelman. Let's be honest, Julian Edelman. You know, in that game, just did enough, and Tom Brady was pretty bad. So for his, you know, numbers, um, you know, Heinz Ward won it, but Ben Roethlisberger threw for like 130 yards. We talked about this last week, more so focused on Cooper Cup because his odds are so short at six to one. What does Jamar Chase have to do? Because the game I was bringing up was the Chiefs game in which the Bengals won 34-31, locked up the AFC North. Jamar Chase essentially locked up Offensive Rookie of the Year. He had 11 catches for 266 and three touchdowns. Joe Burrow also, by the way, 446 and four touchdowns. So if, if that were the case, I think Jamar Chase would absolutely win it. But, man, I think Jamar Chase has to almost have that type of performance, Sean, in order to win MVP over Joe Burrow, because I know what you're saying, right? If he's going head-to-head with J- uh, Jalen Ramsey, that's going to be the talking point, no doubt. Also, Joe Burrow is coming off a torn ACL, got this team to come out of essentially nowhere to win the franchise's first Super Bowl. For me, it is really hard to envision right now how Jamar Chase wins MVP. Can he be amazing and go over his props? Absolutely. I just don't know... If he how how he can win MVP because well, he doesn't return. I, I don't know how the message like that got no 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 mixed this, up here. I'm not arguing. No that. no no. Yeah, I, yeah. I was just trying to talk out something. Differently. Oh oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I'm definitely not sitting here advocating you know Jamar Chase for MVP. I am going to have a small wager on it because yeah. I think he's going to have that monster game. But I'm not sitting here saying that if him and Burrow have monster games, which is I think likely going to happen, that Burrow's not going to win. MVP. I will have a larger Joe Burrow MVP bet than I will Jamar Chase. I'm just saying this is how Jamar Chase wins MVP. Double-digit catches, pushing 200 yards receiving, multiple touchdowns, and in the fourth quarter, the cameras pan to Jalen Ramsey, and he has that hoodie or whatever the thing is he wears in the game, (laughs) and he's just over there shaking his head. Like, what happened? Like, there's a scenario, a story that makes sense. Not likely because the quarterback is going to be a significant part of any success since he has, but it's possible. I just, I, I mean, it's hard not to like Burrow and Chase. They're, they're dynamic together, but the way that you're depicting this game to unfold 
is as if the Rams are a bunch of chumps. Not at all. The Bengals were 10-7 and seven this year. Yeah, but I, we're talking about a team that went to Kansas City yeah, in no. the AFC Championship they game. They came back and won. Fell behind 21-3 and, and won. We're talking about a team that went to the number one seed in the AFC. 49ers Gave up nine or sacks. Ram, I, I, the Ram, gave up nine sacks Who's better, Rams or Titans? I don't know. Really? I, I can't answer that. Oh, come on. I mean, the thing is, we're talking about the Rams, like the Rams at one point in the season didn't look like a team that was collapsing. Like, it's not like the Rams started the season out like the Cardinals and finished it like the Dolphins. Like, the Rams had a stretch where we were unsure. Now, you look at what they've done in the playoffs. They got very fortunate, in my opinion, in round one because they caught Arizona without DeAndre Hopkins. And I think DeAndre Hopkins makes that a completely different offense. Round two. Don't forget, outside of a terrible Todd Bowles call, a game which they were up. But, hey, you played the whole game for a reason. It was 27-27. Yeah, but you're, you're, you're nitpicking things. You can't say that. No, but I'm saying I'm, I'm, Rams beat, I'm pushing back Rams to you. The Rams beat the Cardinals 34-11. to 11. Right, right. But, but I'm pushing. That was it. DeAndre Hopkins plays. It's 34 to. 14. Well, when Cardinals came to L.A. during the regular season with DeAndre Hopkins, they won. And I can push back with the Bengals, too. They lost to the Jets. They lost to – they got smoked by the Browns, you know? This is a team that has their issues as well. Well, here, it sounds like you like the Rams. You bet the Rams. I do like the Rams. I love the Bengals. I'm going to bet the Bengals. I know you do. I I just – And I don't have – the one thing you have not heard me do, and and I challenge all of you as you're preparing to make your wages on this game – you haven't really heard me say anything disparaging about the Rams. I think the Rams are a good football team. I understand the pass rushing prowess they have on the defensive line. I understand that Matthew Stafford has made the plays in pressure situations. What I'm saying is I don't think it's going to matter because I think that's how good Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are going to play. I just think we've kind of gotten to the point where the love affair for the Bengals has just gotten a little overblown. I, I, the story is fantastic. But we'll see how it plays. We'll see what Jared Smith thinks. He'll join us. Our good friend on the other side. It's the Nightcap. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.